0: Well, let's go back for just a moment. I am 14 years old. We, uh, it's me and three other guys, so there's four of us. There are two seventh graders. I'm in the 8th grade, and we have along with us a very mature and wise and life-experienced ninth grader. We just saw the movie. Uh, if you know where Harbor Freight is in Little Rock, the Town and Country Shopping Center, we had just seen the movie Red Dawn it was great and we came out of there we were ready to fight some commies I mean it was we Wolverine right we were it was great we were excited but here's the deal we had about an hour until it was time for our ride to be there an hour now what are you gonna do in Little Rock at the corner of University and Asher a, a Mecca of, of great places <laughs> what are you gonna do there Well, we weren't sure. But the wise, the very wise ninth grader said, hey, guys, come follow me. Walk this way. Here was the scenario. Across the street from the town and country, which you had to cross Asher Avenue to get there, there was a drive-in movie theater. Pretty cool, right? It was built in 1948. They're going to have some pictures of it over there. And it was still up and running as a movie theater, a drive-in movie theater in the 80s. And that's when this took place, when I was 14. Here's the thing, though. It no longer showed regular movies. No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. Now the drive, drive-in theater giant screen showed adult movies. Yeah On the giant screen <laughs> Now the screen faced away from Asher And kind of back into the woods But this ninth grader was like Y'all follow me Because I know how to get there If we walk around this building And, and go down We'll follow Then it, it, you follow a path And then that path leads to a break A cut in the fence And you go through the fence And you can see every, You can't hear anything But you can see it Giant screen. Wow. So they took off. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. This isn't right. We shouldn't be doing this. But I don't want to be left there on Asher Avenue. I start following them and I follow them the whole time. I'm saying to myself, this isn't right. We shouldn't be doing this. And I'm quite sure I was kind of mumbling that out loud as I trailed behind these three other guys. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing this. This is wrong. This is wrong And sure enough as you went around the building there there was a, a, there was grass and a well-worn path I mean it was dirt right in the middle of the grass and it led sure enough to a big split in the fence And the first guy was crawling in and suddenly I just could take it no more Literally my feet stopped right where I was. And I was like I can't go <laughs> I'm, I'm going back And I turned around and I walked back twice as fast as they were walking towards this amazing visual thing. (laughs) And I head back and then slowly, one at a time, each of the other three guys turn around and they come back. (laughs) Can you imagine drive-in movie adult films? Well, please don't imagine it. I'm sorry I asked (laughs) you to do that. But that's what it was We went back They came back too They followed me back But they were mumbling the whole way And complaining about what I was causing them to miss I I chose a different path in that moment I was following them there But I stopped Turned around and went the other way I just couldn't do it. You see, when you use the phrase walk this way, hey guys walk this way, it implies that there's a choice to make. It implies that there is more than one path, more than one way that you can choose. Walk this way. Hey, hey guys, walk this way. Come follow me. You know, let's think about a path for a moment. A trail A trail or path It leads to a very specific place It has a very specific It's it's not just a path It's leading somewhere And it has a destination You will arrive somewhere By following a path Somewhere very specific Now spiritually If we think about the path That is either going to lead you Closer to God With God Or that path that you choose is going to lead you further from God, away from God. But every single thing that we do, every decision that we make is a path leading somewhere. Isn't it true? Think about our own lives for just a moment. Our greatest regrets in life started with a simple choice. And they led us, that choice led us down a path, and the end result was that greatest regret, whatever it might be for you. Think about work. Somebody's at work and they're married, and they somehow have this prolonged eye contact with someone across the room. Let's say it's a married man, and he meets eyes with this lady across the room, and they connect. No words were exchanged. They just connected. And that led to a text, a simple text, which led to more texts, which led to more conversations, which led to them, him eventually talking to her about how unhappy he is with his marriage at home, which led to a lunch, and that led then eventually to hooking up. You see, it was not just a text It wasn't just a simple text. That text was a path leading somewhere, in this case, straight to adultery. Think about your greatest regret for a moment. There was somehow a choice that was made that led you down that path. Pain pill addiction. Basically, not taking your pain pills as they have been prescribed by your doctor. Now, we all have reasons why we don't do things the way we're supposed to do things. We have a reason why, but the reason in this moment doesn't matter. We didn't take them according to the prescription. That is a path leading somewhere, and in this case, Straight to an addiction. We can apply that to any kind of substance abuse. We can apply that to pornography It's a path leading somewhere and in these cases it's leading to addiction Maybe for you maybe maybe there was just that one night and you're just relieving stress from your stressful high stress life or season of life and you say I'm just I just got to relieve the stress you go to the bar You choose a drink, and then another drink, and another drink, and many drinks later, you are feeling free. And then he walks up and he says the right things to you at the wrong place, but you liked what you heard. And the next thing you know, you're at home with him. And the next day you realize, here I have had another, yet another empty one-nighter. It didn't seem like a path. It it didn't seem like a choice really because it all happened so quickly. But it was a path. And it probably started with the choice to unwind at that place in that way. And one choice at a time, one drink at a time, we decided to walk that way. Straight into another regret maybe for you it was just a painful relationship it all started somehow with some small choices and it led you to the next choice to the next choice each one sending you further down the road away from God but yet there was that tingle in your skin and and that tingle of risk and new adventure And one decision at a time, you walked that way, and it was away from God. And we experience a regret. All because we walked that way. Ladies, sometimes you walk that way simply because no one else has been asking. And he asks. And you ignore the trajectory of his life and the path of his life. And it leads you straight into regret, sometimes self-destructive behavior. But it was all because he asked and someone else wasn't asking. Men, you can do it too. It happens to you. Perhaps you're not looking at her at all. But maybe she is looking at you. Maybe you were not pursuing her at all, but she begins to pursue you. And it meets some kind of need that you have. And you like that you're being pursued and she shows you attention and you've been wanting that. It's a path. Maybe you know that she's not the one that God would have for you, but you kind of ignore that because it's exhilarating. She likes you, and you walk that way, and perhaps she leads you to one of your greatest regrets. You see, walk this way, that phrase implies that there are more places to walk than just that way. We better be very aware of our surroundings. And what way that we are choosing to walk, what path we're choosing to follow, a way that is either moving us further away from God, or it's going to move us toward God with God. Now I'm going to make an assumption this morning. Even with our folks on Facebook Live. We're assuming this morning... That the very fact that you are here in this room with us or you are on Facebook Live with us, the very fact that you are with us, we're assuming that you are open to taking some kind of step with God on a path that God would say, hey, walk this way. Now, we're not saying that you're ready to become a Jesus freak or you're ready to, to say, hey, I'm all in. Whatever it is, I'm in. We're not saying that. We're just simply saying... Because you're here, I'm assuming you're open to taking some kind of step with God, even if it's a small step. So let's see if this morning we can get some direction. As we jump into God's Word, we're going to be looking at a letter that was written by an amazing Christ follower. His name is Paul, and he wrote this to one of his young, young men that he is trying to teach and train. It's in the book of titus chapter 2 in fact through this whole series we're going to be in this very tiny book book of titus chapter 2 We're going to start with verse 11 For the grace of god has been revealed now. Let's talk about this word grace for just a moment Grace means this I get something that I don't deserve I get something I shouldn't have but it's been given to me anyway now in a spiritual sense God is giving me right standing with Himself. Now, here's the big deal about that because I don't deserve that. In my life, your pastor, your friend here, Harley, I have blown it. I have made copious mistakes, big, huge mistakes. There's something so wrong with me that it is actually at my very core, and I think in my DNA and my genes and my genetics, that's how far back it goes. There's something wrong with me. Now, the Bible has a word to describe that. We hate this word, but yet it's just, it's descriptive of me. I'm a sinner. That's what the Bible says. And I have to say, yeah. Yeah, I am. I've blown it. Let me ask you a question. Have you, please don't answer out loud. Or please don't answer for the person sitting beside you. (laughs) Have you ever done anything, I mean anything in your life that was not perfectly holy like God is holy? I, I can answer for you. According to the Bible, the Bible says, yes, you have. And we know that. We know we have. And the Bible uses a word to describe that. And that word is sinner. And yes, I know we hate the word, but it is true of us. It's true of me. And I have blown it. I have messed up. Now, here's the reality. I cannot go back and undo that. I can't go back and make that not happen because it happened. I can't undo it. This is a more devastating reality. I can't even go back and make up for it. In other words, I cannot do enough good to make up for my past. That's a reality. Now let me tell you why I can't do that. Because I feel like I need to explain that. Birds and the bees. We're not going to go far here, but you're born a virgin once you are no longer a virgin you are never a virgin again right there's nothing you can do to go backwards and undo that there's nothing you can do to go backwards and and be good enough or not you know to make up for or whatever and say i don't i want to be a virgin you just, you can't make up for it and go back and be a virgin let me give you another example this one's more palatable It kind of involves the birds and the bees, too. My mom, my dad, my mom has certain genetics and DNA. My dad has certain genetics and DNA. And they came together and they created me. Voila! (laughs) This is what you got! I am so sorry that this is what you got. Now, there are some things I could change about me and I'm trying to change about me. I want those donuts so bad. There are some things I'm trying to change, but there are some things I absolutely cannot change. It had nothing to do with me. It's in my DNA and in my genetics. One of those is I have blue eyes. My wife says it's a mutation. But nonetheless, I have blue eyes. Something about the genetics of my mom and the genetics of my dad, they put together and I have blue eyes. I cannot unblue my eyes You can black my eyes But I can't unblue my eyes I can't Now I could get some contacts That will make my eyes change color But guess what They just look like they're a different color When under those contacts They are still blue I can't change that I I can't go and change that It's who I am It's in my DNA In my genetics It's who I am it doesn't matter if I go. I can't go backwards and undo that, and I can't even go try to do good things now to say I really want brown eyes. I want brown. So if I do all these good things to get my eyes, if I if I eat a lot of chocolate, I'll get some brown. I, there's nothing that I can do to make up for blue eyes. I can't. If you hate blue eyes, I can't do enough good to make my eyes different for you. What does that have to do with me being a sinner? Here's what it means. I believe that the Bible teaches us this... ...all the way back in my genetic history. If you go back as far as you can go back... ...and I believe the Bible tells us we can go back genetically... ...as far as Adam and Eve. Something happened. With Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden... When they sinned, sin didn't just happen. It entered our very being, our DNA. I was born a sinner. Nobody had to teach me how to lie. When I was on the hot seat and going to be in trouble, it just came out. No one had to teach me how to steal when I was walking through Walmart, and I saw that toy on the floor It was in the pocket No one had to teach me how to sin It may have been a three-cent piece of bubble gum, but it wasn't mine No one had to teach me how to steal I Could get better at it But no one had to teach me the desire right? It's in my DNA. It's in the very genetics makeup. It happened all the way back at Adam and Eve. We got a whole series on that. Evil does it. You just go listen to it. But that's the reality. And so if it is part of my DNA, I cannot get rid of it. I can't. If it is part of who I am, I can't make up for it. I cannot do enough good to get rid of that. Because it's there. That's God's grace who says in spite of that. Because you can't hardly get rid of that in your life. It's going to require an act of God. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. I'm going to make you, God says, right with me. in right standing with me. I'm going to do that for you. That's God's grace. God's grace. You see, that's why I must have grace in my life. Because I can't do it. God did for me what I could not do for myself. He made me perfectly, perfectly holy in His sight. And he did that by paying my sin debt. And you know what? It took all of God to do that. It took all of God. Because it doesn't just involve me. It involves you too. And it involves all of Arkansas. It involves all of the United States. It involves all of the world and everyone who has ever lived and who will. Everyone. So it took all of God to do this. All of God. It was orchestrated by God the Father. It was made possible by Jesus, God's Son, making the choice to die. And then it is transmitted, it is handed out, it is offered to you and me by the invitation of God's Spirit. Now, who will be offered this grace? Who is invited to walk down this path this way? Who's invited to step onto this path of grace? Is it just some of the lucky ones? Does God have a great big squirrel cage with everyone's name in it and he turns it and he pulls out by lottery a few names? Oh, yeah, you got it. And next one, oh, yeah, you and you. Uh, Everyone else, I'm sorry. Or does he just look through and say, yeah, I'm going to let you, yeah, yeah, I'm going to let you, and I'm going to let you. Sorry, folks on the back, you should have been in the front. Who gets offered this grace? Paul answers this. He says, for the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people. Paul is saying this is made available to everyone, not just a select few. It is a way, it is a path, a path that you are invited to pursue. It's a path of grace that leads somewhere very specific. And he says it's offered to all people. Offered to all people, but not everyone will choose it. God's Spirit is saying to me, Hey, Hartley, Hartley, walk this way. Follow me. You see, this path of grace, it's not just a direction. It's not just a direction you're following. There's far more to it. And that's what we're going to spend a few minutes on. Because once we choose to walk down that path of God's grace... Something very specific begins to happen. Paul is saying it begins to teach us. And this happens also through God's Spirit. So let's move on. He says in verse 12, grace is instructing us to deny godliness. It's instructing us to deny, oh, not godliness, godlessness. So something is happening on that path. Grace, the path of grace, now begins to teach you. That's God's Spirit teaching you. And it's teaching you to turn away, to deny godlessness. And here's what that means. It means living as if there's no God. Living each day as if you are the boss of your life. Living each day as if your vote on your life is the deciding vote about what you do, when you do it, how you do it, who you do it with. You are the vote that counts. You're the only one. That is living as if there is no God. It is just life as usual. And Paul is saying God's spirit is teaches you, when you follow that path of grace, it teaches you no, 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 no. You're not the boss. You're submitting yourself to God. You're following Him. You're not following you any longer. That's another path leading somewhere else. You're now following God. And he goes on. Grace is teaching us more. It says, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts. Worldly lust. It is taking these God-given needs and desires that he has placed inside of you. He's placed desires and needs inside all of us. God-given. But then we go and meet those needs and desires in selfish, ungodly, unholy ways. A God-given need... To be loved. God gives you that. This desire to be loved. Now sometimes for a a young woman that need to be loved, that desire to feel loved and to feel wanted and to feel needed, that desire to be loved could lead a young woman down a path where she becomes sexually intimate with her boyfriend but yet see that's a god-given need to be loved but we might meet that in an unholy way god has given us the way to meet that he says it's it's a woman and a man in marriage and it's within the marriage not the engagement not the not the dating it's in the marriage That God says it is a safe place for you to be sexually intimate inside that marriage. It's the protection. But we have a God-given need to be loved and we meet that in an ungodly way. That is what worldly lusts means. A man has a God-given need. God gave him this need, desire to be respected. It's a strange need. We're strange guys. But he gives us this desire, this need to be respected. And maybe life is tough at home and life is not all rosy at home. Maybe he's not feeling respected at home. He has a God-given desire, need to be respected. Maybe at work, though, there is this lady who is showing him some attention. And he interprets that as respect. A God-given need to be respected, but yet... He's meeting that need in an ungodly way by allowing another woman. Here's, Here's how that happens. Maybe they're not even physically intimate yet. Maybe he's just developed an emotional attachment to her. And she is not his wife. His emotional attachment should only be with his wife. He's meeting that need to be respected, that desire to be respected in an ungodly, unholy way. That is what worldly lusts are all about. And Paul is saying that even in that moment, even in that moment when he is thinking about her, The path of grace is still there. And it's telling us. Before he ever heads down that road. God's spirit. This path of grace is telling him. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go there. Don't go down that path. Hey, hey, hey. Walk this way. Walk this way. Follow me. And that is God's grace. God's spirit telling him that. Here's another example. If if I haven't offended you, let me just reach down and just finish it off and get everybody. A student has a God-given desire to succeed or slash just get out of school, whichever whichever it is. God-given desire to succeed and to make it. Unfortunately, they have done 100 other things after school besides studying. And now it's test time And they have to make the grade to pass this class So I can just write down So they write down the answers I'm not going to suggest how I don't want to give you any good ideas They write down the answers to the questions In a secret place And it's going to be test time So they can just peek They can look and they can see it And they can Write down the right answers, and they can get through, get past the test. and After all, God-given desire to succeed, but they're meeting that in an unholy, ungodly way. And before they go take that test, God's Spirit is saying, no, 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 don't. Don't go there. Hey, 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 walk this way. I know you're going to fail. But walk this way. Walk this way. I know there's going to be consequences, but walk this way. Have you ever noticed? God's spirit almost always nudges you and calls to you before, before you take that step of sin down that path, before. But once your mind is made up, once your mind is is determined, and you proceed down that other path, it seems like there's no more nudging. There's no more calling. Of course, until after it's all over with the regret and the guilt, then you hear. But when you decide to take that step and you're taking that step it's as if there's no more nudging and perhaps perhaps it's because you have already made up your mind to live in that moment as if there is no God and perhaps God just leaves you in that moment to experience the sin And the full measure of consequences saying, Harley, I tried to warn you. I tried to tell you. I tried to call you, but you wouldn't listen. Now you're simply going to have to harvest exactly what you've planted. Don't miss this. This is huge. If you have chosen to follow God's grace way, his path, his way of grace. Paul is saying that God is instructing you, is instructing you to deny godlessness and worldly lust. And if that is not happening... In your life, on your path that you're on right now I just simply say, beware Evaluate what path you're on Because grace teaches us clearly If we're on the grace path Paul says grace teaches us to deny godlessness and worldly lust And then he goes on to say in that verse And to live in a sensible righteous and godly way in this present age that's what he says at the end of verse 12 you see grace shows us which path to take he says no 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 no! don't go that way no 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 and he says walk this way walk this way come follow me He shows you which path to avoid and which path to pursue. But big point here, if you really are on the grace path, walking that way of grace, Paul is saying you are experiencing an ever-increasing, ever-increasing, Gradually, gradually increasing, but ever increasing amounts of you growing in wisdom, living righteously, you're experiencing more and more living righteously, and you're experiencing growing and living and, 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 and increasing in your desire to be devoted to God. It's increasing as you go. And this is important, which means this. This virtually eliminates fire insurance A fire insurance version of salvation This fire insurance path that we are so tempted to take And so often do This fire insurance path looks like grace But it is not grace It looks like the grace path, but it is not the grace path Here's what it says the fire insurance Version of salvation and it is fake. It is a fake salvation. Here's what it says Okay, if I just say these words If I say these words that my pastor or my friend told me to say if i'll just say these words or pray this prayer If i'll go and get baptized if I will do these things check these off the box If I will do these things, then I will be okay. That's salvation. It's not the path of grace, it's a path leading somewhere, but it's not leading to grace. If we say to ourselves, I got that covered, and now I can just kind of go back to life as usual. I can go back to work as usual. I can go back to living as usual, deciding as usual, doing what I have always done just as usual. But I'm okay because I took care of that. Me and God did business there. That's taken care of. Now I can go back to life as usual. Paul's saying, nope, that's the fake way. That's not the path of grace. It looks like grace. It sounds like grace, but it's not grace. And Paul would say, no, 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 no. Walk this way. The grace way. And when you do it, Paul says, this happens. It leads you slowly away from godlessness. And you actually begin to increase. Slowly you begin to increase. In your wisdom, comes from God. In your living righteously, which really means deciding rightly. And it increases as you go in your devotion and love for God. That's proof of the grace way. See, God's grace, it's being handed out by the Spirit in the handfuls. And the result of choosing that grace way is what's happening in your life. That's the proof. And if that's not happening happening in your life, then my question is simply this which way have you decided to walk? Paul goes on. As if that didn't hurt enough. Verse thirteen. He said, while we wait for the blessed hope and appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, he kind of has this aside. He says, listen, don't forget. In all of this, in all your life, don't forget. Jesus is coming back. Don't live as if there's no God. Living for the moment, living for right now, what you want right now. He said, don't forget, don't forget. Jesus is coming back. And then he talks more about this Jesus. This is beautiful. Verse 14. He gave himself, that's Jesus. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. Now, here's what that's saying. We have been chained. We have been chained into living as if there is no God. So when we choose that path, it kind of chains us and traps us. And Paul is saying, Jesus died for you and for me for all of that mess and all of that junk and if we choose the path of grace he will undo those chains and we can follow that path of, path of grace that's what he's saying that's the picture he's painting that jesus did this and then he goes on and he says and to cleanse He gave himself for us to redeem us. That's to buy us back, take those chains off, and to cleanse. Now this is a lifelong process. We're still going to blow it. We're still going to mess up. The fact that you mess up is not proof of what path you're on. He's still going to be cleaning us up our whole life. To clean us, because we're dirty... And we've created a mess of our lives. We're dirty to clean us. But here's why he's cleaning us. For himself. Now here we were all thinking this salvation thing was all about us. For God so loved me. Well he does love you. But guess what? He desires you to be with him. Yeah, you and me. And he did that also for himself. That's amazing. God wants to be with you. And then he describes it more. Paul says, you, a people for his own possession. Whoa, that's pretty important. What path are we taking? If we are following him, that means we have submitted to him. We belong to him. He is our boss. We are following him. No longer following ourselves. That's another path. We are now his possession on this grace path. Eager, we, speaking of us again, eager to do good works. And we have to break this this phrase down. Good works. This is the grace way. And yes, being on this grace way, this grace path leads to us doing some good things. It just happens. But this is so important, don't miss it. We don't do these good things on this path to make up for what we did wrong over here. Because we can't. That's not the grace way. That's the fire insurance way. If I do enough good here, I can make up for what I did there. And God will be happy with me. That's not the grace way. That's the fire insurance fake pathway. We don't do these good things either so that God will allow us to stay on the path. Because here's the bad news. We, we were not good enough to get on that path. He had to give it to us. And we will never, ever be good enough to stay on the path. We can't keep that we, what God gave us, we can't keep it We don't have the ability to keep it So God has to keep it for us I can't keep it He keeps it If I'm trying to make God happy enough To allow me to stay on the path That's not the grace path That's another fire insurance fake path So yes, there are good things. We do good things. But it's not to make up for what I've done. And it's not to keep God happy. So He lets me stay on the path. I'm on the path only because of God's grace. And I stay on that path Not because I've earned the right to stay there, but because God keeps me there because I could never do it on my own. Paul is saying this, and throughout scripture, we are compelled to do good when we follow the path of grace. Not because we can make up for what we did wrong. Not because we're trying to keep God happy so he lets us stay on the path. Nope, nope, nope. We do more and more good while we're on this path because we are in awe that God chose to allow us on the path at all. We are in awe of what God has done for us. The fact that he invited us to walk this way. We are in awe of that. And I have no response other than to say, God, I thank you with my life and my decisions and what I'm doing and what I'm thinking. I thank you with those things. I don't earn your love with those things. I don't make up for what I've done with those things. Your death on the cross did all of that. I cannot. I just simply do them because I am so thankful. That's the grace way. I didn't deserve it. He invited me. God made us who choose to follow the grace way perfectly holy in God's sight. He paid the price for our sin. It's the price I should have paid. So as we end this morning, I simply ask this. What, what way are you walking this morning? And I want you to know this. I believe that right now, God's grace, God's spirit is calling for you and saying, hey, walk this way. Walk this way. Come, come follow me. Walk this way. Now, if you are walking that way, if you have decided to follow that grace way, that grace path, how do you know if you're really on the path? Are we simply just following a path that looks like grace and sounds like grace, but is actually just fire insurance leading us away from God? Are we really on the grace way? Moving toward God with God. Are we passing that test? The test saying, are we actually in our lives increasing, even if it's slowly? I'm a slow learner. Even if it's slowly increasing in my life in wisdom, increasing in my life in making right decisions. Increasing in my life, in my devotion and my love for God. Or are you pretty much the same person you were four four months ago? Because if you are on the grace way, you are changing. God's Spirit is changing you. Let's take just a moment together to talk with God. I don't do this often, but I'm going to do it this morning. I'm just simply going to ask you to bow your heads. Just bow your heads and close your eyes. I I want to have a conversation with your eyes closed so that you're just focused. If you don't want to close them, that's okay. Just look down. I just want to have a conversation with you very, very focused because if God is calling you right now, if God's spirit is saying to you, you've been going the wrong way, don't, 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 stop, stop, don't go that way. If he's been saying you've been trying to get fire insurance and it looks like grace, but it's not grace at all. That's not the grace way. If his spirit is saying to you, stop, 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 stop and come over here. If he's saying to you, follow me, walk This way, you can respond right now. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and walk down this aisle. We didn't even have that opportunity in the movie theater, but we're not going to do it here because this is what I want. I want you to have a conversation right now with God. If God is calling you to the grace way, to leave a a fake way that looks like grace but is no grace at all, If He's calling you, just simply have a conversation with Him right now. Here's what you need to do. In your heart, you don't even have to say it out loud. He is listening to you. Simply tell God what path you've been following. Has it been your own path? Of living as if there is no God and making decisions based upon just what you want in your life and what you think needs to happen? Or have you been on... A fire insurance path that looks like grace. You've been trying to earn God's love. You've been trying to make up for what you've done wrong. You've been trying to to keep God happy. Tell him what path you've been on. And if this is you this morning, if you are choosing to follow God's way, God's grace way today, I just want you to tell him right now. Tell him. That you want to leave that path, that you are leaving that path and you are getting on his path. His Spirit's inviting you to do that right now. Tell him. Now, let me tell you this. It requires you, if you're leaving that path and getting on his path, it requires you to do something. By the very words we're using, It requires you to follow him. Which means to follow the leading and the nudging of God's spirit. You won't do it perfectly, but it requires you to follow him. As he instructs you in increasing wisdom and increasing your right living and right decisions and increasing in your devotion and love for God. And all of that, good things begin to happen. You begin to do good things. All in response, though, to celebrating the fact that He has invited you to walk His way and to follow Him, even though we have blown it and we have messed up and we could not deserve it and we cannot earn it. If that's what you're doing, I ask you to simply tell God that right now. Now, this room is dark, it's dark on purpose. I'm going to have trouble seeing. In fact, I I probably won't see what I'm asking you to do right now, but I'm going to still ask you to do it. Everyone's looking down or they have their eyes closed. If you just said to God just now, God, this is real. For the first time, I'm saying, I am following your path. I'm choosing your path of grace. I've been on my own path, but I'm choosing you. If that is you, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. No, please don't. I'm just going to say, will you just raise your hand? I'm probably not going to see you, but I'm just going to ask you to do it anyway. Will you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand. It's dark. I I can't see, but I'm going to ask you to put your hand down. Here's what I am going to ask you to do that I will see. Before you turn in your connection card, will you write on your connection card, if that's what you're doing today, to follow God's path of grace for the first time, you, you're stepping onto that path, will you write that down and let me know? Now, I want to close our teaching time. The band is making their way up right now. I'm going to close our teaching time with a prayer, then we're going to have a song and we're done. But I want to pray for you because in my heart I know there are people here today, even though the room is too dark and I couldn't see, I know there are people here today who have stepped onto the path of God's grace and I want to pray for you. Let's pray. Father, we celebrate those right now who are submitting their lives to you. Those who are choosing to walk your way and to follow you. God, thank you for choosing to die for us. Jesus, thank you for loving us so much that you were willing to suffer. God, you purchased our lives for eternity. And that makes us want to celebrate you, God. To celebrate you by growing in wisdom. And to celebrate you by growing to make the right choices in right living, and to celebrate you, God, by being devoted to you. Jesus, we celebrate you. We adore you. And it is in the holy name of Jesus we pray. Amen.